Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to take a look at verses 9 through 13. I forgot to take a look at what page it's on if you're using one of the Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. Anybody? First one there? Who's doing a sword drill? Who's going to get there first? Uh, shout that out when you find the page that that's on, would you? 1132. Okay. Uh, you get a sucker or something for getting there first. Um, so page 1132, 1 John 5, 9 through 13 is what we're going to look at this morning. But uh, I want to, before we jump in there, I do want to just extend a very special welcome to you if you're a guest with us. I admit this may be your first time here. Um, maybe your child uh, joined us this week for VBS. And I just want to thank you for letting us love on your children this week. And I want to thank you for coming out and for spending this morning with us. And it is my hope, our hope as a church, that you feel really, really welcome because you really, really are. And uh, if you're looking for a church home, we would absolutely love to to be your church home, to have the opportunity to love on you and to uh, be side by side with you as you continue to learn about the grace of God. So welcome. And uh, also wanted to acknowledge, as Don did in his prayer, that it is Father's Day, and so I want to say Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers, and um, we want to celebrate the fact that there are uh, many faithful husbands and fathers in this church and in our city, and uh, we want to celebrate with brand new dads. I know we have some brand new dads that are celebrating that, and um, also just want to honor uh, men who walk faithfully in the role of being a father. It's, it's not an easy road to walk, and, but it's a very important one. I also want to take a moment, uh, as Don uh, prayed, to acknowledge the fact that Father's Day can be a pretty hard day for many. Uh, there are a number of fathers who have deep regrets over the way that they've parented their children. Uh, maybe they have lost a child or a grandchild in this past year, and the, the pain that you have uh, over that is making today very hard for you. Um, maybe you're a father or a man who would like to be a father, but you, you're walking the path of infertility, and you're supposed to be the strong one. Well, you don't have to be the strong one. You can be weak with us. Okay. Um, we want to acknowledge that there are men who uh, probably wish they were providing more for their family, but aren't able to. Uh, there may be men here who would have been a father, but perhaps they encouraged an abortion, and there's guilt, and we hope that you will feel uh, forgiveness through faith in Christ. Uh, we want to acknowledge that uh, there are people who had really bad fathers. And so this day can be very hard for you. Maybe you are a single dad. And uh, it's that is extremely hard. And I want to uh, share a special thing with you. Uh, one of our members, a man named Tez Brooks, is an author of a book called The Single Dad Detour, Directions for Fathering After Divorce. And he would actually like to give you, if you are a single dad, he wants to give you a copy of his book. And so after the worship service, if you would meet him out in the foyer, he'll give you one of these. Uh, and hopefully that will be a great encouragement to you if that is uh, the, the position that you're in right now. Uh, there are, are fathers who are estranged from their children. There are uh, people who have lost their father this past year, and you feel like an orphan for the first time, maybe. And I uh, just know that there's a lot of uh, people who did not grow up with good fathers, and so I want to just direct us all on Father's Day to the true 
good and perfect Heavenly Father who is above, who loves us and who has proven his love for us and his commitment and faithfulness to us through his Son, Christ on the cross. And I hope that what we talk about today uh, will be an encouragement to you, particularly if Father's Day is a hard day for you. So let's uh, take a look at 1 John 5, 9 through uh, 13, and hear now God's holy and true word. John writes, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, what, a, what an amazing thing for John to write and uh, for him to say that he's written these things and therefore your scripture has been written down for us that we may know for certain that you have given us eternal life. And so I pray that as we talk about this this morning, Lord, that uh, those who are unsure uh, whether or not they have eternal life would would become sure, whether by putting their faith in Christ for the first time or seeing how you assure us of the eternal life that you've given us in your word this morning. So we thank you and we praise you. We pray that you'd use this time to form us and shape us in the likeness of Christ, that we would be better able to Take the good news of life in Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's so much fun to have the kids here all week, and we had them memorize a couple different verses, and the very first couple verses that they memorized are in our passage for this morning. And uh, it's a pretty phenomenal statement. Whoever has the Son has life. And that's one of the things that is very unique about our faith. That God wants us to know for certain that we have eternal life. God does not want his people who he has gathered through faith in Christ. He doesn't want us to wonder whether or not we have his love and his acceptance and, and the promise of eternal life. He wants us to know. Look, look again at verse 13. I mean, this is a very, very strong statement. John says, verse 13, I write these things to you that who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So this is one of the very important doctrines of our faith. Uh, Officially, we call it the assurance of salvation. And I would imagine that there are a lot of us here who have assurance of salvation. We know we have eternal life. But you might be surprised to find that there actually are a lot of people who call themselves Christians but aren't sure that they have eternal life. And I would imagine there's a number of us in the room that may feel that way. That you're not certain. In fact, um, I get to be part of a uh, the executive board of a church planning network. Some of you know that. And so I spent some time with two of our church planters uh, this past week. And one of the church planters was telling me that he just had a great conversation with a woman who just started attending his church plant. And he was able to, through a conversation with her, deduce that she didn't 
really know for certain whether or not she had been given eternal life. And so he was able to help her understand how she can know. Um, I also just heard that Desiring God Ministries, that's John Piper's ministry up in Minnesota, but they minister uh, all over the world. They report that the number one question, the number one question that they get in emails and phone calls is, how can I know whether or not I'm saved? How can I know whether or not I have eternal life? Isn't that interesting? And as a pastor, I have sat with many people in my office or in Panera or wherever, and I've, I've heard them tell me that they're a Christian, but they don't know for certain that they have eternal life. And so this morning, we're going to focus on how we know that we have eternal life. How can we be certain? Uh, because really, it has a bigger effect on you than you realize. If you're not certain, or when we are becoming uncertain for whatever reason, it actually impacts us negatively in a lot of ways we may not even realize. It can cause a lot of restlessness, a lot of fear, even depression. Um, Horatius Bonar, best name ever, uh, he was a Scottish pastor in uh, 19th century. He says, uncertainty as to our relationship with God is one of the most enfeebling and dispiriting of things. It makes a man heartless. It takes the pitch out of him. He cannot fight. He cannot run. He can do nothing for God. But, he says, but when we know that we are of God or when we know that we belong to God and that he's given us eternal life, when we know that we are of God, we are vigorous, brave, and invincible. There is no more quickening truth than this of assurance. God wants you to be sure you have eternal life, if indeed you have eternal life. Look at this. Uh, Edward Reynolds, a bishop of Norwich in the 1600s, says, Assurance will assist us in all duties. It will arm us against all temptations. It will answer all objections. It will sustain us in all conditions. And uh, Thomas Brooks was a Puritan who said this. The being in a state of grace will yield a man heaven hereafter, but... The seeing of himself in the estate will yield him both heaven here and heaven hereafter. It will render him doubly blessed, blessed in heaven and blessed in his own conscience. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying that if you have been given eternal life, well, you'll you'll get eternal life. But if you can see the fact that you have been given eternal life, then you actually get some of that heaven right now. Because there's a tremendous peace in your conscious, okay, consciousness uh, or your peace of conscience. So this is a really important thing. And if there's anyone in here who does not know for certain that you have eternal life, we're going to find out how we can know for certain this morning. Uh, so if you already do know, uh, take notes on how you can explain to someone else how they can know they have eternal life. And if you don't know, uh, hopefully you will know here shortly. So... Um, That's our focus for this morning, that believers can and should be certain that they have eternal life through faith in Christ. Okay, let me say that again. Believers can and should be certain that they have eternal life through faith in Christ. You have that slide, John? Believers can and should be certain that they have uh, eternal life through faith in Christ. There it is. There it is. We'll leave that up there for a second. In case anybody's taking notes on that. Okay, think about the fact that, uh, again, 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Hebrews 10.22, the author says that we should uh, draw near to God with, true, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. God wants you to be 
Sure. Okay, so we're tight on time. I have to really, really move quickly this morning. So uh, come along with me. We'll see what we can see together. There's really three ways. If you think about sort of historically, how have we uh, as Christians known for certain that we have eternal life? The three main ways that we know are these. One, God's word. Uh, we, we draw assurance from the promises of scripture. And then God's work within us. Okay, the, the progress of our spiritual growth is designed to give us assurance. And then also God's witness, the proof that we have inside of us that the Holy Spirit provides. Okay, and so understanding these things, particularly if you're a person who is currently unsure as to whether or not you have eternal life, that's critical. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about, God's word, God's work, and God's witness. Now, uh, here's a, just another way to look at this. Uh, we we, we want to con- kind of consider this as a, a three-legged stool. All of these are really important. If we're going to live with certainty that we have eternal life, we really want to understand that we draw that certainty from God's word, God's work within us, and God's witness. So we're going to return to this slide a few times. But first, let's talk about uh, God's word. Let's talk about the promises in scripture. Uh, if, you, if you want to have assurance of salvation, you have to understand how we are saved. And then you need to return to those promises on a regular basis. Okay, so what do the scriptures say? Well, we've already talked about one of the ways scripture tells us that if we have the Son, then we have life. That's a promise. And then, of course, there's probably the most famous Bible verse uh, in existence would be for uh, John 3.16, where it's very clear. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So there's the promise. This is directly from God. This is God's word, God's promise to you that if you believe, what that means is you have eternal life. Even if you don't necessarily feel like you do, if you believe the gospel, then you have eternal life. Take a look at this card that's in the seat back pocket in front of you. Uh, this is uh, something that we have that we provide for people who are uh, new to Christianity or for you to be able to help people understand Christianity. And what that's saying is if you believe the good news, if you believe the gospel, that God is the righteous creator, that man is a sinner who cannot save himself, but that God is gracious and, and merciful and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we couldn't live and die the death that we don't want to die. And that if we will repent of our sins and receive him by faith, that we have eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And what John 3.16 tells us is if you believe that, then you have eternal life. It's certain. Because if you believe the gospel, you've been forgiven and you've been declared righteous. That's what Paul says in Romans 4.3. Uh, He says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it, that is his faith, was counted to him as righteousness. That's the promise. Even though you and I deserve God's wrath and hell for eternity, the promise from God is if you will believe him, then you have eternal life. Okay? This is why Paul says in Ephesians 2, that is by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith. Okay? And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is really a battle for your mind. If you believe the gospel, but you're not certain that you are saved, it's a battle for your mind. That's why Paul says that we need to be uh, transformed by the renewal of our mind in Romans 12. And I know there's a lot of us saying, yet we know this, Matt, we are certain, but there are some who are not. And I want you to be certain. Think about this. This is what John Frame says. John Frame is one of the preeminent uh, theologians alive today. He says, faith is an inward reality. But if it is there, you have a right to be assured. 
If you can honestly say, I am trusting in Jesus for my salvation, not my works, not my family, not my church, but Jesus, then you can say without a doubt that you are saved. If you have a low level of assurance, uh, the number one thing you need to do is see and believe these promises in Scripture. You need to hear God regularly saying to you that he has given you eternal life. You need to hear him say that he loves you. You probably heard... um, there's that old story of a wife, husband and wife that have been married for a couple decades and the wife says to the husband one day, honey, why don't you ever tell me that you love me? And so he responds, well, I told you on our wedding day and if anything changes, I'll let you know, right? Okay, so not the way you want to go about a healthy marriage. Why? Because a wife wants to hear. She knows it, but she wants to hear it. And a husband knows it and he wants to hear it too. And a child knows it. And a child wants to hear it too. And God, our Father, wants us to not just know it, but to hear it all the time. In worship on Sunday mornings, through our life group, through our personal devotional life. This is why we're a church that's big on being in the Word, because it's in the Word that we keep getting slapped in the heart with the beauty of the promises of the Gospel. Okay, So that's one thing that we have to understand. It is God's Word, the objective promises in God's Word that are designed to, to not only... Give us the faith, but then to assure us that if we believe that we have eternal life, you have it. If you believe, then when you die, you will be ushered into God's presence and see his smile. Okay. Uh, the other thing, the other, one of the other legs of the stool would be God's work within us, the progress of our spiritual growth. So another way that we can find assurance of our salvation is not only looking at the promises of God and his word, but also the progress of our spiritual growth. Because God promises not only to save us, but also to make us holy. He promises that he's going to make us like him. So we want to look for the the grace, the evidence of his grace in our lives. In the Westminster Confession, it talks about looking for the inward evidence of those graces unto which these promises are made in chapter 18. Because that's the truth that God has promised not only to save us by grace through faith, not according to anything we've done, but then also to make us holy. To make us more like him by the power of his Holy Spirit. Not so that he can love us, but because he does. And uh, so first Peter in first Peter one, 14 through 16, it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And Peter is quoting God from the Old Testament. And he's saying that you're going to be holy. He's going to make his people holy. So our growth in holiness is meant to help us see, look, there is evidence of God's work in my life. And that's supposed to boost our insurance assurance. And that's why you want to examine yourself. You want to think about you. And if there's evidence of God's grace in your life, Paul says to do this in second Corinthians 13 verse five, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourself. And you want to ask yourself, am I growing in holiness? Can I see that? And and if you can see that, even if it's just a little bit, you can be assured through that as well. Um, Now, let me tell you, this can be very dangerous because if you look at your life in the last couple weeks, you're not going to be very sure of anything. Okay, especially if you've had the last couple weeks that I have. Uh, And so uh, as I was reading different authors on assurance, almost every one of them was talking about we really need to look at long periods of time, not just the last couple weeks. Okay, because my 
life in the last couple of weeks has been a hot mess. We'll put it that way. And, um, and so I do not want to draw assurance from what's been happening lately. But if we look at the long term, look at this graphic, okay? You want to think about this not week by week because week by week things are going to be up and things are going to be down. The Bible makes very clear that you're going to struggle with sin even as a believer. And you're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to win and you're going to lose. And so you don't want to think about the last couple of weeks uh, you, what you want to do is you want to look at your life of faith or maybe even the last year and you want to see, is there evidence of God's grace in my life? Has he been growing me? Am I becoming a little bit more like Jesus from time to time? Maybe he's making you a little more patient. Maybe he's making you a little more peaceful. Maybe he's making you a little more bold to speak the truth to people. Okay, these are the things that you want to be looking for. That's uh, part of uh, how we can be sure when we look at our life and we can see evidence of God's grace that's not only to make us more like Jesus, but to help us see that he really is at work within us. Now, if you don't see fruit, if you don't see change, that is great reason to have concern. Because if you are not growing, and if it's been a long, long time since anything's real changed, anything has really changed in your life, then that means the reason you have no or low assurance is, is quite possibly because you're actually not saved. And in any given church this size, there's always probably a few people who aren't really saved. And so it's, it's, it's part of my job to make sure you really think about this. You really examine yourself. And if you realize that there, there really hasn't been any change, the very first thing you want to do is go right back to those promises and repent and believe those promises. And then you can know even right now. But don't let it go undecided. That's what you don't want to do. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He says, if any man is not sure that he is in Christ, he ought not to be at ease one moment until he's sure. Dear friend, he says, without the fullest confidence as to your saved condition, you have no right to be at ease. And I pray that you may never be so. This is a matter too important to be left undecided. So this, by the way, is one of the reasons why we call each other to holiness at this church. Not because uh, God saves us if we grow in holiness. No, but our growth in holiness helps assure us that God has saved us. Okay, in a church where there's no talk of holiness, there's going to be always a low level of assurance. And that comes with lots of baggage. But when we call each other to holiness and we see each other growing, we see the fruit in each other's lives, it helps us to be uh, sure. So, so. God's promises, that's the primary way in which we uh, have assurance, but also God's work within us. And then third, uh, look at, uh, also want to talk about God's witness, uh, the proof uh, from the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because the truth is, as we believe God's promises, as we seek to obey his will and his commands, the Holy Spirit really does come alongside of us and help us feel for sure that we are saved. It's an amazing reality. And think about this, like we're fallen, broken human beings. So our scrutiny of God's promises or our scrutiny of our own lives is still going to be somewhat fallible. We need supernatural proof. And that's what God says in his word that he gives to believers. Uh, take a look at Romans eight fifteen and following. Paul says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. 
And so there's that amazing truth that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. And this is, for people who live with assurance, this is those moments when you're just like kind of bursting because you love God so much and you can feel his love on you. You know those moments. That's the Spirit of God confirming that we do belong to him, that he is our Father, that he does love us, that he's given us eternal life. You know those moments where you're kind of like gripping the steering wheel so hard and you just kind of want to scream because you're so excited? That's what I'm talking about. And if you don't feel that, God wants you to feel that. He wants you to just burst with joy because you're certain that he's given you eternal life and you're certain that he loves you. And that comes from believing the promises and returning to them regularly as well as looking at the evidence of grace in your life. Because the promises, it's it's having the promises that, that, that drives us to want to do the things God calls us to do. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. He says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so when we see those promises and we see the evidence of grace in our lives, his, his progressing us in our spiritual formation, our heart says, I belong to God. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside and bears witness with this, with that and says, yes, you better believe you do. Okay. It's amazing. Now, here's the thing. Just plain and simple, what I can tell you from experience is that if you have a high level of, you know, if you're, if you're regularly receiving and believing and looking at the promises of God, uh, and if you are a person who, because of what God has done for you, you are pursuing holiness, there's always, for the most part, there's, there's usually a high level of assurance. You feel sure. You feel certain. It's when one of those, either you're not looking at the promises of God very often or you're not living the way you're supposed to, that's when assurance is going to be low. Here's a graph, graphic I made. This is not perfect. It's just kind of a way to kind of help you see something here. The, the high assurance is going to come from believing those promises, being in the promises regularly, and living the way that God calls us to live. If you, if you know the promises left, right, back, forward, up and down, but you're not living the way you're called to live, you're never going to feel sure. And if you uh, are living a really good life in your mind and you're trying to do the right things, but you don't really understand the promises, then assurance will be low too. It's when you have the promises in front of you and you, and you know that you believe them and then also you see God working in your life. That's where uh, you're going to really experience that certainty that is absolutely life-changing. High assurance of salvation comes from believing God's promises and looking at the evidence of his grace in your life. And you walk around and you feel sure. And it is amazing. Because, you know, when, when, you, when you're not sure on something and then you become sure on something, if you're not sure about something and, and there's, a, there's a fear, it's like nothing else matters. And then as soon as that fear is relieved, it's like nothing else matters. You know what I'm talking about? And God wants your fears relieved. By you trusting in Christ, trusting that what he's done on the cross was for you and that you're forgiven and that you're free. And then he wants to make you holy and he wants you to live sure that you have eternal life. I remember one time when I was uh, suddenly unsure of something and then immediately uh, made sure and it and it made uh, a tremendous difference. This is uh, uh, in Cherokee, North Carolina, a number of years ago, my very first missions trip as a youth pastor. We had like 10 or 15 students with us. Hannah, my wife, was there. And we uh, were, we found this rope swing. Anybody remember the rope swing uh, incident? Worst moment of my life. Um, and so basically, we, we go to this rope swing, and the the issue with the rope swing was you had to climb up a tree, and then you would swing down over this rock ledge, and then out, and then drop ten or fifteen feet down to the water. Okay, super fun, right? 
Um, well, uh, and I asked Hannah if I could tell the story, and she said yes. Um, it wasn't a super confident yes, but it was a yes, so we're going to go for it. Um, so Hannah climbs up there, and she gets, you know, you're like 10 feet up in this tree, and she starts swinging, and she actually let go too early. And so I watched my wife bounce off this rock ledge and then fall into the water. And immediately, now I'm, I'm videotaping this. So you can actually see this happen. And then as soon as she hits, the next thing you see is the ground. Because I ruined the camera and I didn't pay for it. Sorry, church. Um, but in that moment, nothing else mattered. And I was literally jumping into the water. And then Hannah burst up out of the water. And she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and, and suddenly then I'm okay. And in that moment, because I was sure she was okay, it's like the world could have crumbled around me and I would have been fine because I knew that she was okay. And God does not want you and I to live in that moment between when she hits the water and when she comes back up. God does not want us to live wondering if everything's going to be okay. No, he wants us to feel that peace in our conscience and that promise that one day everything is going to be made new, that one day we will see God face to face, that one day he will make all things new. There will be no more violence. There will be no more shootings. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more evil. There will be no more things that are making life hard right now. Everything will be made new. And he wants you to be sure of that. He wants you to be able to sing from your heart that you know you'll see it. And so as Jack and the worship team come up here, I want to read to you uh, some of the words we're going to sing from this next hymn. It is called The Sands of Time Are Sinking. It's by Anne Ross Cundell Cousin, another fantastic name. <laughs> and she wrote this long time ago. And really what it is, it's about seeing the future it's about it's about knowing that you will see Christ that you will see God that you will have this eternal life even though right now dark dark is the midnight these are the words it says the dawn of heaven breaks the summer morn i've sighed for the fair sweet morn awakes dark dark had been the midnight but day spring is at hand and glory glory dwells in emmanuel's land Don't leave here. Don't leave here without being certain that you know, certain that you have eternal life because you believe the gospel, because you've repented of your sins, and because you know that you will see the glory, glory in Emmanuel's land. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer. Those of us who do have assurance, um, We are pleading with you to give those who don't, give them that assurance today. Help them to repent of their sins. Give them the gift of repentance and the gift of faith. And then help them to know that they have eternal life and let that change them and lock them into uh, you and and a pursuit of your glory and of, of your holiness. And help us to live every day sure. In Jesus' name, amen.